Glory to God in the highest. Glory to the newborn king. Nice, nice. I see some smiles. I saw some arms come uncrossed. <laughs> Stuff like that. Good. Letting our body language uh, and our facial expressions um, portray what, what great news we have to celebrate together today. Uh, December 22nd, we're getting close to Christmas, a uh, blessed and sacred time of the year, and uh, uh, just encourage us to take the moment to enjoy it today, to, to reflect today, to seek the Lord today. So Merry Christmas. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, before we jump into God's word, I just want to say this, that Faith Church exists to proclaim the greatness of Jesus. And we do that all year long. And especially at this time of year, it's fun to do that. We proclaim the greatness of Jesus, that, that real life is found in Jesus alone, that he wants us to know him and follow him and be changed by him. This is a word for every one of us in this room that Jesus wants to, us to know and follow him and be changed, be being changed daily and conformed into the image of Jesus. And so as we follow Jesus, part of our, our, our being transformed into his likeness is pointing others to Jesus, helping others come to know and follow Jesus. And um, as I said, before we get into God's word here, I do want to just make a quick, uh, uh, give you a heads up about a special opportunity we have. One of the ways we want to point others to Jesus is we want to be a blessing to those in our church family and in our community and, and to the far ends of the earth. So um, a little later this morning, you do have an opportunity to uh, give uh, financially to a special offering. There's information about it in your bulletin. We'll receive our normal weekly offering as well. But uh, as you can see in the bulletin, there's a, a special offering opportunity you'll have on your way out this morning. And uh, here's what those, that, those funds do is they go to camp scholarships for kids in our church family to experience summer camp. Uh, the, the special offering will also um, go to our discipleship fund, our benevolent fund that cares for needs within our church family and within our community, people that hit a hard time or need a little help and, and come looking to followers of Jesus for examples of God's love to them and the opportunity we have to serve them that way. And then, of course, to a missions fund as well that we hope to use to spread the good news of Jesus all over the globe. Sound good? So keep an eye out for that if you want to uh, give to that we, uh, we thank you. Well, this Christmas, uh, this December, we've been in a series of messages that, as you can see on the screen, we're calling The True Light Has Come. And, um, and we've done this kind of each week, but, but to, in order to consider the light, in order to celebrate that the light has come, it can be helpful to picture or to put ourselves or to imagine darkness, uh, Pastor Ed uh, was up here last Sunday, and he told a story about him and an, uh, in a journey through a cave, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But how many else? How many of you have been in a cave? Anybody have, can think of a time when you're in a cave, went went deep in there, and what you maybe started to experience as a result of being deep in the cave? Okay, let's keep that in our minds, and, and get that picture as we uh, as we look to God's word this morning. Open your Bibles if you brought one. And turn to John chapter 1. Love you to bring your Bibles with you. If you don't have it, no worries. There's going to be some scripture verses on the screen. And I'll be reading from, from the Bible as well. Um, but uh, if you have a Bible with you or your Bible app, let's open up to John chapter 1. This morning we're going to start at verse 9. 
While you find your way there, though, I want, us to, I want to recap. I want us to think about where we've been here the last few weeks as we've, as we've uh, considered this, uh, the true light has come. Uh, part one was verses one through five of this chapter in the Bible. And, and we, our emphasis that Sunday was that Jesus is the Christmas light that shines into darkness. That we, we have a lot of fun with all kinds of Christmas lights. But if there's one to remember at this time of year, it's that Jesus is the Christmas light that shines into darkness. And, and we talked about that light and darkness can be a metaphor for good and evil. But we said, but make no mistake, these are not equally matched. It's not good, a little good, a little evil. It's not 50-50. It's not an even matchup. We said light and dark, good and evil are not equally matched. Why do I say that? Darkness may try to resist, but light prevails. When God comes, darkness doesn't stand a chance. The light has come. Merry Christmas, church family. That's what we celebrate, that the light has come, that Jesus has come, that he is with us, and that he is coming again in the future. When, when, it come, when God comes, darkness doesn't stand a chance. And then part two, verses six through eight, Pastor Ed emphasized last week that we need to recognize, as, as John the baptizer did, that we are not the light, that, that our job as followers of Jesus, that our opportunity is to point other people to the light. We have to get out of the way. We have to recognize that we are not in the light. And here's where Pastor Ed um, humorously and humbly told a story about himself getting in his own way, right? He was in a cave, and he was having trouble seeing, and he wondered why the cave was so dark, even darker than he expected. And when he got out of the cave, he realized that he had what? His sunglasses were still on. So he had created an obstacle to himself. He had, he had, created, he had made the darkness darker. And, and I know that uh, many of you resonated with something he said last week because I had this conversation a few times in the past few days. Pastor Ed said that, um, that sometimes we, we add to the darkness by our own, our own issues, our own struggles, our own sins, our own, our own pain that we're going through. We, we, make, the darker, we, make, we make the darkness darker. And, um, and so that's something for us to consider is how, how might our selfish desires, my sin patterns, my failure to live like Jesus, how might that obscure the light? How do I miss out on the light that God shines through Jesus because of, of putting my sunglasses on, adding darkness to the darkness? How do we obscure the light? Or, or how do we obscure the light with our own issues, with our own struggles, with, with putting our own sunglasses on? How do we obscure the light when we should be pointing others to the light? So we want to depend today and always on the light to reveal what's in our heart, to bring us to confession and, and, and ask God for forgiveness and, and come before him so that he can lead us to true life. So that brings us to today then, part three of our series, John chapter one, verse nine and following. Let me read a few verses from God's word. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Merry Christmas. He was in the world and the world was made through him and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who, be, who did receive him, 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Um, so, so many of you raised your hand and, and thought of a time that you have been in a cave. Um, last week when Pastor Ed was telling his story, it definitely reminded me of, uh, not this last summer, but two summers ago, getting to experience the uh, Lava River Cave over near Bend. Anyone been there? Yep. Um, so we got to do that um, a couple summers ago, and I was trying to remember that situation and thinking about um, what that experience was like. Um, the Lava River Cave is a mile-long lava tube, and it goes underneath the highway there. It's so long. So you descend uh, a bunch of stairs, and then you're traveling along the floor of this cave, which is a lava, river, uh, a lava tube, uh, up a mile in, in distance. And uh, no matter what time of year, you need to bundle up like in your winter coat because it's 42 degrees in the cave year-round. And then, of course, they uh, conveniently are renting you good flashlights before you go in there. And they're telling you uh, how your flashlight likely won't be good enough and how it may run out of batteries and how you need to rent these uh, really powerful, good flashlights. And, oh, you probably should have at least two in your party with you, you know, just to make sure. Because you are headed into what? You are headed into some serious darkness. I mean, I don't know how many experiences you can, you can think of in your life where you can relate to some serious darkness. I mean, we like that expression that you can't see your hand in front of your face, but I, most of the time when we experience darkness, you can. Your eyes adjust, or there's just a little bit of light coming in the curtain or under the door, and you can. And then you get to the back of this mile-long cave, and you're with your group of friends and family, and you decide for fun to turn out your flashlights and you can't see your hand in front of your face. Serious, serious darkness. So darkness is um, certainly the absence of light. Uh, but we've said here in the last week or two also that, that, that in God's word here, as, as John wrote these words, darkness is also a picture of the presence of evil, uh, in our world of, of the brokenness and the fallout that comes because of the entrance of sin into the world, the difficulty, the pain, the presence of evil. And so darkness is an absence of light, but it's also that, that picture of, of the darkness that we experience around us. How do we... Um, <clears throat> so when you, can you picture yourself there in the dark? Picture yourself not being able to see your hand in front of your face? And what are some of the ways that that affects us? What are some of the ways that we react to darkness? Sometimes the darkness makes us afraid. But look at God's word on the screen in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What else does the darkness do to us? I think sometimes also, if you're like me, the darkness is somewhere I would want to hide. Somewhere I could get away. Somewhere maybe where, where the real me, the depths of my sin, the dysfunction of my life, maybe wouldn't be seen. Sometimes we hide, don't we? Perhaps we know that we are very inadequate in comparison to the greatness and the holiness and the perfection of God. 
Perhaps we recognize the sin in our life that separates us, that mars our relationship with God, that gets in the way of, of God's rescue plan. Doesn't get in the way, but we think it gets in the way. And so we hide, thinking that God could never love or accept us. But look with me on the screen at Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. And then we skip down a couple verses and it says, If I say, oh, surely the darkness will cover me and the light about me will be night. But look at that, verse 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The psalmist here, the writer speaking to God, even the darkness is not dark to you. We might not be able to see our hand in front of our face, but even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Praise God that the darkness doesn't deter our God from pursuing and rescuing us. Praise God that the darkness doesn't prevent him from seeing you. Do you know that God sees you all the time, right now, where you are, even though you fall short, even though you feel inadequate, even though you know you've gone against him at times or daily, if you're like me? Praise God that the darkness doesn't prevent God from seeing you and setting about his rescue plan. We have a God who pursues you, who sends light into darkness. Back to our scripture passage, John chapter 1, verse 9. And this is, this is what gives us now this picture of, of, of we recognize the darkness around us. We think of, we know what it feels like to be in the dark. We know what, what, the, what this picture of, of the presence of evil and, and the brokenness around us. And into that serious darkness, here's what we celebrate at Christmas. Into that serious darkness, God sends the true light. The true light, which is who? I'm going to have you say something, and when I have you say something, I'm going to ask you to have your body language and your facial expression reflect adequately what we're celebrating this Christmas. <laughs> Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light, which is who? Jesus. Merry Christmas, church family. Christmas. Jesus came. He is with us, and he is coming again. And we have a lot to celebrate. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It says true light, the real thing, not a fake, not a copy, not some secondary light, not some measly flashlight that isn't going to do the job in the cave, but the true light, the genuine light, the life-giving light, God seeks you out. He pursues into darkness. The darkness resists, but light always prevails. Jesus came. He is with us. What a rich, <clears throat> what a rich image of our loving Father's pursuit of us. That true light pierces the darkness. That, that there is no place that the light cannot reach, that there is no place where the darkness prevails, but that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the true light into the world, and the true light, when matched up with the powers of evil, when Jesus matches up with the, with the efforts of the evil one, Jesus is victorious every time. 
The true light seeks to illuminate, to bring us warmth and light and salvation and new life. And I, and I, and I look around. I, get the, I have a pretty good view from up here at each of you and your smiling faces and you're repeating after me to humor, humor me when I'm being goofy. And I look around each Sunday and, and I could ask the question each Sunday, why are you here? And I could ask the, the question today, December 22nd, why are you here? And some might well think, well, you know, it's, it's because it's Sunday. It's Sunday at 1045. That's why I'm occupying the seat. And some of you might think, well, because that's what's expected of me at Christmas time. That's, that's what the routine is as Christmas approaches. But you know what I think? I think you're here because God loves you. Because God is sending his light into darkness. Because we have a God who doesn't just leave us stuck in our sin and in our mess and in our darkness. We have a God who sheds light on it and comes after us. I don't think you're here by accident. If you're here every week, I think you're here because God wants to send you his son to transform you from the inside out to make you a new person, not just once back when you first became a follower of Jesus, but daily making you more like him. And if you've never been here before, I don't think it's by accident. I think it's because God loves you and he's pursuing you and he wants you to know that real life is found in the son of God, Jesus alone. God is pursuing you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know that not only in Jesus can you experience life with God forever, but a transformed, rich, meaningful, abundant life now. Let's look at verse 10. Chapter John 1, verse 10 now. He was in the world, speaking of the light, speaking of Jesus, it says in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. He, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Back to the beginning of John 1, that he was the word, that he was present from eternity past with God. He is one with the creator God. Jesus is, yes, a human man who came to live among us, but also fully God in the flesh. He was the creator. So verse 10 says, Jesus was in the world. The world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He came to this world he created and was rejected. He came to God's people, the Jewish people, and was rejected. They were looking for the promised rescuer. They were supposed to be on alert that Jesus was coming. He came, and he was rejected. Though he is creator himself, he was not recognized. Though he came to earth, there was, there was no immediate recognition of his true identity, of the fact that he was light and darkness. Things were said like, eh, isn't that just the carpenter's son? Isn't that, that just that little kid that grew up down the street? He came to the world he created. He came to the world he has a right to possess and live in. He came to the people that he belonged to, and yet he was rejected. And we could kind of shake our heads and think, they sure missed the boat back then. Or we could recognize the reality that it's still true, that 2,000 years later, that no matter how much the Bible has been preached, that no matter how long the Spirit of God is working on human hearts to help people to understand the true identity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as light into darkness, 
He's still rejected by many. So we, we need to wrestle with this. We need to wrestle. Each one of us, myself included, need to wrestle with this. Do we, do we just know about Jesus? Is he someone we've heard of? Do we know who he is? Or do we know who he is? And we've so much so that we are humbled before him, that we go to our knees before him, that we recognize we can't do it on our own, that we give our life to him. Do we just know about Jesus? Or do we recognize him as, as master of our life? Do we, do we think of him as just a, a piece we add into life occasionally? I need to send my kids over there. They need a little bit of Jesus. Or do we recognize the reality of who he is and what he's done? That he is God himself, that he lived without sin, and that he came and that he died the death that you and I deserve, and that he rose again, conquering death, conquering sin, and made it possible for sinful you and me to be in relationship with the holy and perfect God creator of the universe. And give our lives to him and submit to him as is required. So this passage is full of, of the contrast of light and dark, and now our verses contrast this idea of rejection with receiving him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. He gave the right to be part of God's family. And verse 13 says, who were born... These children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 13 is, is this important clarification that I don't want you to miss this morning. When, when there's this opportunity that you and I have to become children of God, to be adopted into the family of God, verse 13 is helpful clarification. It says what it's not about. That being a child of God, being rescued from sin and death, being, receiving the gift of salvation from our great God is not about the things in verse 13. It's not about being born just because you exist, you're God's child, yes, created by God, but not automatically in his family. It's not about ethnic descent. It's not about who, what's in your blood, what people you come from, who you're related to. That's not what makes you a follower of Jesus. And it's certainly not about the will of man or human effort or us trying hard to match up to God or to please him. The good news, though, that sounds a little, little nerve-wracking, a little scary. Well, you, you might, might go, well, then how? Then how can I be adopted into God's family? How do I receive this good news of great joy? Well, the good news is there is a way. And, and it wasn't only for God's people, the Jewish people, but, but it was for all people. In verse 12 shows us that way, that it's, that it's those who receive Jesus, who believe in his name. Receiving Jesus is not just understanding facts about Jesus. Receiving Jesus is not just having come to church and heard stories about Jesus. Receiving Jesus is welcoming him into your life and to submitting your life, to surrendering all that you do and say to his lordship. 
believing. Verse 12 says it was to those who believed in his name that became children of God. Believing isn't just, I believe the 49ers are going to keep winning. I have faith that they're going to win the Super Bowl. No. Oh, boy. (laughs) That wasn't in my notes. That's always where I get in trouble, right? (laughs) To those who believed in Jesus is is a trust, is a deep faith of of putting our trust, realizing we can't do it on our own and putting ourselves in the hands of God. Those who receive Jesus, who believe in his name, and what it means by in his, believe in his name is just believe in who he is, who he says he is, all that he's done, that we, that we put our faith, that we put our trust in that. I'm going to go back to the picture of, 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 of get, our, get our minds thinking about a cave again for a moment, and we'll put a picture on the screen here. When you think about heading into a cave, as you head into a cave, where are you headed toward? Yeah, look at, look at that. Right? Even in that picture, you know, kind of the further you can see into the cave, the darker it is. But when you're walking out, when you turn around after a mile long deep into a cave and you turn around and you start heading back, what are you headed toward? You start to see the light ahead and you start to be able to follow the light. And so it, it, maybe this is a simple example. Maybe it's too simple, but let's let this picture sink in for a moment. Whether you're in church weekly or rarely, uh, having a new life with God, receiving God's gift of salvation, being rescued from sin and death and hell and brought into an eternal life with God and experiencing rich, new, meaningful life now is not about being religious. And, and I want to suggest a few things, and we'll put the next, we'll go back, to, uh, let's go back to that picture there. And as I say these things, I want to suggest that, that if this is what we put our hope in, if we think it's about repeating a prayer or checking a religious box <clears throat> or being at church every so often, I'm, I'm going to suggest you're headed into the cave. The darkness is getting darker. If you're putting your hope in saying that you're a Christian, if your hope is in thinking that you're a pretty good person at the end of the, and at the end of your days, God will let you in, it's possible that you're headed that direction and things are getting darker. If, you, if, if, you're, if your hope for salvation, forgiveness of sin, is, is, is in trying harder, is in behaving is in thinking if I can just cut that out of my life, if I can just follow the words in this book, if I can just, then maybe I'll please God. If your salvation rests because you have Christian parents, if you think that you'll be saved when God, when you meet God at the end of life because you live in America, I think it might be like this. You're looking at the wrong things You're headed in the wrong direction. You're making the darkness darker. Because all of those things I just mentioned depend on you. All of those things are, if it works out for you, you'll get through the dark and find the light. But what I want to say is this. John 12, 46, on the screen, Jesus' words, Jesus speaking. Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. 
So I want to suggest that, like the picture on this, uh, that's on the screen now, that, that if we recognize the reality that God sent his son as light into darkness, that Jesus is the very son of God, the rescuer of mankind, who lived the life we cannot, who died the death we deserve, who was raised again from the dead, if our salvation rests in who Jesus is and what he's done, if, if we realize that we have a God who loves us and has pursued us and sent Jesus to us, I think we're walking toward the light and we're headed out of the cave. I know, I don't think. Because when it's up to my efforts, I'm headed into darkness. When I realize I can't do it and I entrust myself to Jesus, Jesus is the light. I begin to follow him. I begin moving toward the light, and he begins changing me from the inside out. God, by his Holy Spirit, works to open hearts and minds. He, he, he puts you where you are at any given moment. He, he causes you to be hearing from, from God's word. The Holy Spirit of God may, very, may, may well at this moment be working on your heart to open your ears and your mind to what God might have for you today, to put your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And then all we do is receive and believe. We receive God's gift, his free gift of salvation. We receive, we, we welcome Jesus into our life, recognizing that we're go we are going our own way apart from him. We receive him. And in putting our trust in Jesus Christ, become part of God's family. Jesus is the Christmas light. Merry Christmas, church family. God offers his gift of salvation through Jesus. I urge you to follow the light, to entrust yourself to Jesus, to embrace him as rescuer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your greatness, for your goodness. We thank you that you are a mighty God, creator of all things. We thank you that you are a good and loving heavenly father who pursues us and wants us to become his kids, to join in your family. God, we thank you for your love poured out to us. We thank you that you demonstrated your love for us by sending your son as light into darkness, we, we thank you for demonstrating your love for us in that while we were still stuck, stuck in sin, Jesus died so that we could live. So God, I do pray this morning for each of us, myself included. God, I pray for each of us to know you more today. God, I pray that, that, that those of us that have been around church a long time or have grown up in church or or, or know these stories, or have celebrated Christmas a few times, I pray that we too would submit ourselves to you um, anew this morning, needing your work in our lives, needing you to peel back the layers of, of my heart that are deceiving you, or trying to deceive you, or trying to reject you, or trying to rebel against you. God, would you show me where I fail and need you? And God, especially I pray this morning for anyone here that doesn't yet know Jesus, would you, would you help them to just recognize how loved they are by you, how they can't do it on our own, and if they just put their trust in you, if they say, Jesus, I believe, I receive you, would you lead my life? God, I pray that 
that today would be the day of salvation for anyone in that situation today. So Father, we love you. We thank you. And God, we want to respond with joy. Joy that is deep from what you have done for us, not, not whether we're happy because of our circumstances, but God, may we in the next few minutes as we lift our voices, as we say our prayers, as we give our offering, God, would it be out of a joyful heart, so thankful for all you have done. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.